Hey, what's going on, friends and fam? It's John, and it's time for the Jmart Cast for Monday, October 10th. Happy Thanksgiving. Hope you're having a great day. Hope you had a great week. Hope you enjoyed your Thanksgiving dinners and, uh, you know, just ate a lot of yummy food. It's okay to overdo it on Thanksgiving, in my opinion. <laughs> it's kind of what I did on Saturday. Went to my wife's uh, family for Thanksgiving dinner, and I piled my plate up full of <laughs> turkey and other goodies. So, um, you know, one day of eating like a pig is not going to make or break if you have some, you know, health-related, weight-related goals. Just want to start by saying that. Uh Regarding food, I guess, so maybe I'll just mention real quick that I also had some sourdough pizza earlier this week. We had some friends come over with uh, their young children, and we I made some sourdough uh, pizza dough, and it was awesome. Like, I love sourdough, obviously, for bread. If you follow my Instagram uh, page, you see that I post sourdough loaf pictures all the time, but you can also use, a, use it to make the pizza dough, So, and it just makes it tastes delicious and I feel way less guilty eating pizza that way than I do when I order it from somewhere. Last time I ordered it from this company called Pizza Co. They actually make decent tasting pizza, but then when I was going to pick it up, I talked to the person who was making the pizza dough, or at least I thought he was making pizza dough. He was just rolling it out. Turns out they don't even make it on site. They get it like shipped from somewhere else. I was like, all right, I'm not ever ordering pizza from here again. You know, it's like, why if, if, in order for your pizza business to work, you have to have like a supply chain where like somebody else delivers you the dough. You can't make it in house. I'm sorry, your your business is too large. I can't support it. So yeah, moral of the story, make your own pizza at home. Anyways, in other news, that's that's the fun parts of the week and kind of like not not le- in not as good of a part of the week earlier this week. I uh watched a disturbing thing. I don't know if you guys have been seeing this um, ads on the internet for this documentary called What is a Woman? And it's, I guess, produced by the Daily Wire, if you know what that is. And it's a pretty disturbing documentary, man. It like made me pretty, pretty upset watching it, mainly because of two things. Uh, the first is, well, two people, really, that they highlight in this, uh, in this, uh, documentary uh one of his names one's name is what is it arthur kinsey i think let me just double check because i want to get the first name right alfred sorry not arthur alfred kinsey this guy who i didn't know he was such a horrible person because actually i'd seen a movie of him with um who's the guy that was playing him the main uh, the actor uh Liam Neeson played a did a movie. I think it's just titled Kinsey, his his last name, where it's all about like, um, you know, sexual revolution. Like he wrote some books about male sexual revolution and all that. Um, and they portray him as this like good guy, but fuck, it turns out this guy was a he was a pedophile. He was a horrible person. Like just search, even Google doesn't hide this. Just Google search Kinsey child experiments, and you will get some really like reputable sources talking about how this guy committed child sexual abuse and he like would basically make small babies like uh, achieve orgasm. I don't know how he did it. Obviously I fucking, I didn't want to dig too deep into that, but it's, it's awful. And this guy is one of the fathers of like 
the whole reason why like there's this whole like gender affirming thing going on right now and you know you can't say that like you know just let kids be kids and we don't have to do you know uh double mastectomies and cut you know little girls breasts off or hysterectomies or give them puberty blockers uh yeah he's he was one of the founding fathers of all this garbage happening and the other one was um what's his name um um something money uh john money this guy uh is the uh he's like also one of the fathers of gender reassignment surgery and like his story was like basically there was this um uh these parents who had twins and i think they were jewish so they were perform maybe they weren't jewish but cuz like n- non-jews also perform um what's it called when you cut the tip of the dick um uh hold on a second right circumcision so like there's these twins boys twin boys they had circumcision done on them when they were like you know little babies obviously and one of them was done successfully while the other one was botched and it was like irreparable damage done to the penis of this poor little baby and so this sick fuck let me get his name right john john money told the parents that they should try gender reassignment surgery and basically raise the kid as a as a little girl even though he was a boy obviously a boy and like it's just a freaking sad story man like the he like he didn't like he didn't like the same things as girls do obviously growing up and eventually he figured it out but you know there's a lot of like emotional damage that happened like he figured it out i think later into his adulthood and it just really messed him up and his brother and so basically his brother because i guess he really loved his um, uh, you know his sibling was so affected by depression that you know he died of a drug overdose and then the guy who was actually had you know the the botched circumcision you know he he was so sad that his brother died of an overdose he committed suicide so man so yeah those two things from that documentary really messed me up in a way where I was like I can't believe this is this is happening and you know and these doctors are you know current doctors are now you know following the work of these two horrible people to quote unquote gender affirm you know confused little children who want to mutilate their bodies or put take you know puberty blockers which by the way these puberty blockers are not puberty blockers they're chemical castration agents they give them to people who are sexual deviants to chemically castrate them to uh, not be you know have the drive to you know hurt children anymore anymore and somehow it was decided that this is what you give to young kids to you know block puberty or pause it and the the way they pause it is just like oh it's just like completely safe you pause it and you can think about it and then you know if you change your mind you can just take them off and it'll be everything that will be fine it's like no it won't that's not true fuck yeah it was pretty uh unnerving to um to watch that documentary, uh, it's, I don't know, I'm, I'm at a loss for words, I don't know what to say, I'm just going to move on, to be honest. <laughs> oh yeah, one positive thing earlier this week was that I went to a Bitcoin meetup and met some dudes and dudettes, some uh, boys and girls, 
men and women who are into Bitcoin. And we just hung out, shot some pool, talked a little bit about what's going on in the world. And uh, it was really nice to uh, talk to people who uh, have an idea of what the hell's going on around them and, you know, share some of the similar views and we can kind of bounce ideas off each other, uh, off of each other. It, it was really nice. I felt like it was really good for my mental health. It was really nice to make new friends, obviously. And yeah, it was overall a great experience. And then later on, I found out um, that one of the people who was there who paid for a lot of the drinks and stuff, obviously I didn't drink because of Sober October, but one of the people who paid for a majority of drinks and food, he paid it with um, his ShakePay uh, uh, card. And then uh, like just by luck of the draw, because ShakePay offers this thing where you, when you make payments with your card, every once in a while, randomly they'll reimburse you the amount that you paid with. And so he got reimbursed for that like payment of like drinks and food for the Bitcoin meetup. So it's like the Bitcoin gods shining down on us, letting us know we're on the right path. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Um, what else? Oh yeah. The big news, uh, earlier this week was, uh, PayPal. You probably, I don't know if you guys saw this, but PayPal made an announcement that they were going to reserve the right to withdraw money from people's accounts who have a PayPal account they would withdraw $2,500 from anyone's account if they decided that that person was uh, somehow spreading misinformation. So they were going to be the arbiter of truth and they were going to decide who of their customers is, you know, being righteous and telling the truth, quote unquote, slash who is spreading misinformation. And once they decide that you were spreading misinformation, they would basically, if you had that money, I guess, in the account, they would take out $2,500. Can you believe that? So of course there's a huge backlash and people are started closing their, you know, PayPal accounts because why would you keep it open at that point, right? Like frig, if you know, like at any point by some random reason, somebody else can be just like, oh, you're not telling the truth. We're taking your money. So as soon as that happened, of course, the backlash resulted them in, in I think in basically one day, uh, you know, saying, oh, that wasn't supposed to be something we released uh you know that's not true we're not going to do that blah 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 going back on their word basically but you know they just got caught and this is where it's all leading this is where it's all going we're going to get to a place where somebody random who you know has no right to be the arbiter of truth is going to be deciding what is true and what is not and you know punishing people for, you know, these false claims of misinformation, just most likely because of like they disagree or they don't like somebody, that's going to be the main reason. It's not going to be because people actually, you know, are spreading misinformation. And, you know, if, if somebody is spreading misinformation, you should be countering it with more dialogue, not by punishing them by taking their livelihood away. Like it doesn't make any freaking sense at all. You know, if you need any more, <laughs> you know, advertisement for why Bitcoin is the future and why you need to move on to a Bitcoin standard. Like there's no better example. Like no one's going to take your Bitcoin away because they d disagree with your opinions. It's just not going to happen. They can't. It's impossible. Can't be done. So there you go. And another reason, <laughs> another advertisement for why Bitcoin is the future and why you need to have some Bitcoin if you don't have any is last week I mentioned how Bank of England was buying government debt to prop up their, you know, crappy 
bonds and to make sure that the, um, what do you call them, the pension funds, the pension funds don't go bankrupt in, in, uh, in the UK. And so they had originally said that they were going to do a small amount, I think like 65 billion, that's a small amount, <laughs> according to them, of, of uh, buying of, you know, government bonds. But um, turns out it wasn't enough. Just like I said, just like I said last week, they're going to do more. So yeah, they've, they've, they've done more. <laughs> they continue to do so because uh, they announced, yeah, it was, they needed to do some more. And I don't know what the reason was, but the reason is just because like, yeah, of course I know the reason. No one else is going to buy it. That's why. They're not the buyer of last resort anymore. They're just like the only buyer. <laughs> so, yeah, that pretty much sums up all the stuff I want to talk about this week. I don't want to talk too much. Oh, no, that's not true. Hold on a second. I had my first Twitter spat. Oh, my God, this is hilarious. Let me share this. Let me let me pull it up and we can talk about this. Hold on a second. All right. This account is on Twitter is at coach FHM and I was following his account because he had like I think some decent training advice at some point so I was like all right this is a cool you know fitness related account that I'd like to follow because that's one of my interests and so then I saw this um, you know uh, post from him talking about improving your pull-up game and he's talking about you know people are stuck on just being able to do one or two pull-ups and they can't do more. So what should you do to, you know, improve your pull-up game? And he gives three pieces of advice. The first one is to use bands to help, you know, with the, because the bands, the tension from the bands helps pull you up so you can get to the top of the, uh, you can get up to the bar. So that's nice. Then his second piece of advice was to do uh, pull-up negative. So you jump up to the top of the bar and you, with control, slowly come down. And then last he said you to use the lat pull down machine. And so, you know, my response to that was that, you know, I think two out of those three pieces of advice are actually not good. Only the, the, the negative pull ups coming, like jumping up to the top and slowly with control coming back down is the actual real good way of getting stronger and being able to do more pull ups. So I responded to the, to the, uh, post by saying, skip the bands and the lat pull down machine. Those will not help get past one or two reps for pull-ups. Negatives is the way to do so. And I also followed that up by saying also scapular strength, meaning the strength of the um, your shoulder blades or lack thereof actually is the most common reason that people can't do more than one or two pull-ups. And then his response was that, you know, can all be utilized. And so, so far we were like pretty, you know, calm and, you know, cordial with one another. And so because he was nice and cordial, I responded with, depends on your goals. I'm specifically talking about increasing your rep count on pull-ups. Bands and lat pull-down machine will be a time waster if you specifically want to up your rep count to like double digits, to like 10 or more. And then his response is, again, you don't understand the video. This is for people who are struggling to get one to two reps, as stated in the first couple of seconds of the video. So then I was like, all right, maybe I misunderstood. Let me go back and watch the video. And like, <laughs> I did not. So then I responded to him, LOL, word for word. And I actually wrote out exactly what he says in the video. He says, a lot of people struggle with doing pull-ups in the gym. They may be stuck on just being able to do one or two reps. So I did not mis misunderstand him. And that's what I said. And I said, what I'm saying applies whether you can do zero, one, 
or two reps of pull-ups. I used to think what you said is true. Like, so I used to think that bands and lat pull-downs would help with pull-ups. And I would use that with my clients. But it didn't work. It didn't work. It, it really didn't work. I, I tried it. It doesn't fucking work. So then I said, until I realized that if you don't address lack of scapular strength, like I already said, so the shoulder blades, how strong the shoulder blades are, and grip strength for that matter, because you need to have strong hands to be able to hold on to the bar for a long time, or else you'll just be able to hold on for one or two reps. You need to be able to hold on for you know all 10 reps. Like Nothing will change. Bands just make people feel good about getting up to the bar, which is fine. Like, that's fine, but it's not going to do what you're saying it will do. And lat pull-down machines are just not the same as pull-ups. You know, it doesn't, they're just not. And then I I followed that up by saying I've helped lots of people get their first pull-up, which is actually true. And then I said, but whatever, you do you. You know, maybe a little bit, like, pushy, but not really, like, rude yet. And then that's when all the animosity starts. He goes, you ain't helping nobody. You need a coach yourself. (laughs) Sure, buddy. And of course, he says, I need a coach myself. And then he immediately blocks me. And then after blocking me, I know he's going to talk some shit. So I, you know, you can, you you can go on like an incognito mode on like, you know, your Chrome and, you know, go, go to someone's page and see what they're tweeting about you, even though they got you blocked. So I go in there and I check. And of course, he's got a new tweet that says, you shouldn't be a coach, in quotations, rabbiting shit training advice on the internet when you actually need a coach yourself. Skinny slash non-jacked trainers is a massive problem in the industry. Gotta pay your dues first. Okay, of course, of course he, of course he disses me when he's got me blocked. So then, you know, I respond, like, I know he's not going to see me because he's like, uh, freaking got me blocked, but... I just take screenshots of all, all of his like crappy, you know, ways that he's like talked to me. And I said, you know, my first Twitter fight resulting in getting blocked. I actually feel proud of this one because it's never a good sign when somebody attacks you as a person instead of addressing what you're saying. Like he's the one providing shitty training advice and he doesn't address what I'm talking about and just makes fun of me. So I was like, you know what? I took a picture of myself and I said, skinny, maybe not jacked. Fuck you, Coach FHM. You don't know shit. I didn't say you don't know shit. I just said F you. <laughs> and I said, come get some. And I made sure that the, the picture I took, there was no like specific light trickery that, you know, that makes my six pack look any bigger than it actually is or my muscles look any bigger than it actually is. So go, go to my uh, Twitter page if you want to see how jacked I really am. <laughs> and then I also uh, asked my buddy, my buddy Daniel Yours. He's a great coach who I worked with in... Uh, at uh, one of the old gyms that I used to work at. And he's got his own podcast, actually, the Daniel Yours podcast. And he's he's just a great coach. He knows a lot. I asked him, what do you think? I said, am I being too harsh? Like, how do you get, how do you help clients get more than zero, one or two pull-up reps? Am I too harsh in saying that bands and lat pull-down machines are a time waster? And his response was, first and foremost, I'd work on pulling mechanics. Once the client understands understands the pulling mechanics, I agree with you. Eccentrics and isometrics are the best by far. So eccentrics meaning that you slowly go down from the top or you hold the top position. That's what he means. He said, lat pulldowns, in my experience, don't translate over that well from a strength perspective, but it can help with mechanics. 
That I agree with. And then he says, once the mechanics are down, very little use for the lat pulldown, in my opinion. I've only found bands to be useful to let the client feel what it's supposed to feel like and build some confidence, which is not invaluable. So it's like, we'll use the band once and then never again. And that's what a real coach says. And they actually talk about what I'm talking about. They they like provide points to my points. They don't just freaking call names and then block and then call more names. Like what a, what a jerk this coach FHM is. So if you got Twitter, go on Twitter, find this coach FHM guy and like tell him how much of a dummy he is. <laughs> Anyways, that's my Twitter battle with, with this dumb dumb. And then maybe one more thing I'll, I'll, I'll add to that is that the next day I just checked this page again to see if he'd had unblocked me at all or to see if like he'd responded to anything I'd I'd posted and he hadn't of course but he had followed up with more dumb posts and this is the one that I uh, picked out he says rolling around on the floor with kettlebells will never get anyone big or strong it is what it is and that's just like just one of the dumbest things someone can say like so I screenshotted that and 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 uh, like basically responded with more BS training advice from this guy and you know, kettlebells aren't the end-all be-all of training, but you can definitely get big and very strong using that implement. So anyway, I'm going to end it there. Moving on to our little Bitcoin update. We are at block height, 758032 Bitcoin price is trading at 19394 US dollars. One shitty little cuck buck will buy you 5,156 Satoshis. Remember, Satoshis are the smallest subunit of a Bitcoin. One Bitcoin can be subdivided into 100 million pieces. Each one of those pieces is called a Satoshi. Uh, if you want to buy Bitcoin and you're in Canada, you don't mind giving up some personal information such as your name and such, use ShakePay. They have a cool, easy-to-use app um, that, you can, that you can use. Um, I have a referral link available in the description of the video. They recently changed their like little reward. It used to be 30 bucks for like the first $100 you spent. They brought it down to 10 bucks. Kind of sucks, but it's better than nothing. If you want to use that, go ahead. If not, don't worry. Don't use it. Uh, there's other ways to get Bitcoin where you don't have to give up personal information. You can figure out how to do that. Um, what do I want to talk about regarding Bitcoin? You know what? I'm just going to read another excerpt that I thought was really good from this book called The Fiat Standard that I'm reading. It is written by the author Seyfedina Moose, who is also the author of another great Bitcoin book called The Bitcoin Standard. And I kind of like reading parts of this book because what it does, it, it, it explains the problem that Bitcoin is solving. Because it's hard to talk about Bitcoin. People get like, you know, lost in all the detail of like the technical aspects of it. It's easier to point out the problem, what the problem is, and then then bring in Bitcoin and show how it solves the problem. So going to go to chapter 7 again it's called fiat life that's what i read from last time too the subheading this time is called fiat time preference this is what safedin says money as a technology is heavily intertwined with our time preference i.e. the degree to which we discount the future as humans develop the capacity to store economic goods for future use their ability to provide for their future increases an economically primitive man can provide for his future self by saving consumption goods for future use. 
As their degree of economic sophistication increases, humans can develop durable consumption goods that they maintain and use over time. As money develops as a mechanism for conducting trade, it can be saved to transfer economic value in the future, allowing for a more compact and reliable transfer of value across time. The better we are at providing for the future, the more we become aware of it and plan accordingly. Right, this is called saving, right? Like freaking you don't spend money now, you save it for later so that you can, you know, provide for your for your future self. It's pretty self-explanatory. But when the money's broken and it's value it's it's worthless in the future, what the hell do you do, right? Like you got to spend it now. The process of lowering time preference is inextricably linked to money. So when he says lowering time preference is it mean it means like rather than preferring the now you're pre- you're preferring the future. It's a little bit confusing in that way the the technical terminology but that's what it means having money allows humans to delay consumption in exchange for something that can hold value well and can be exchanged easily without money delaying consumption and saving would be more difficult because the goods could lose their value over time you could store grain to grow but the chance of them ruining before the next season is higher than the chance of gold coin ruining If you can sell the grain for gold, you are able to exchange it back for grain whenever you need to, and you can use it to purchase something else in the meanwhile. Money naturally increases the expected future value of deferring consumption, compared to a world with no money. This incentivizes future provision. The better the money is at holding on to its value into the future, the more reliably individuals can use this money to provide for their future selves and the less uncertainty they will have about their future lives. There you go. That's all I'm going to read from the book for today. Uh, Yeah, like the current money that we have, just regular paper money, or it's not even paper money anymore. Most of the money is just digital money that's written down in like ledgers held by banks, right? That's not something that's scarce. It's not like gold, right? It's not it's like you could just make up more numbers anytime you want to. You just have to trust that bankers don't do that. And of course, they do do that. I just said the Bank of England just did more of it. <laughs> so if even at 2% inflation, when the, the supply of money grows at 2%, even at that low rate of inflation in 30 years, something like 33 years, half of the purchasing power is gone. How is that fair? How does that make sense? Why should that be allowed? To me, the answer is it doesn't make sense. It's not fair. It shouldn't be allowed. We need a better system. Luckily, I've been able to find Bitcoin. I've been able to research it, understand it. And that's my solution. Um, what else can I say? That's, that's it. Thanks for listening. Hope you had a great week. Happy Thanksgiving again. Go hug your family, and as always, stay active, be grateful, Jmart out.